This is Uncommon Profit. My name is Flipman Dan, reselling and side hustle expert. And each week we interview leaders in untraditional niches making shocking income. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get it. Benjamin Herskowitz is a full-time book reseller, grossing over 200000 in business in his first year alone, selling used books. Oh, and by the way, he's only 19 years old. In this interview, we talk about his journey to success, including the tools he uses to flip pallets or gaylords of books, as well as some other crazy stories of profit, like how he used credit card churning to buy and sell over 50 new Xboxes, while establishing a sky-high credit score. Please subscribe on Spotify or YouTube, and make sure to share this with a friend who would love to learn about ways to make an uncommon profit. And now, Benjamin Herskowitz. Thanks for coming out and uh, speaking with me today, Benjamin. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be on another podcast and share my story and see what I can do to help others. And I'm a bulk bookseller. I go by uh, BenBooks34 on Instagram. And I just like sharing my journey and trying out all kinds of different things as I'm only 19 and I still have a lot of time to figure things out. Great. So young entrepreneur, Benjamin, tell me how it all started. Yeah, so it started in my junior year of high school. My friend Zach Shaw, um, he got me into reselling. He got me into flipping Supreme at first. So uh, he was kind of just teaching me how to buy it and then sell it on StockX and flip that locally or on there. And then after that, I was like, what else can I do to do reselling? And I started with like garage sales and also with Amazon FBA. And Zach brought that up and we decided to try and figure out how, how it works. And we just informed ourselves on YouTube from Reezy Resells and Romer the Romer. And then once we had like a little bit of books from scanning with Scout IQ, we got started and made our first shipment, which took about seven and a half hours because we tried to fit it all into one box and then it was like 125 pounds, but on Amazon, a box can't be over 50 pounds, which we then realized. And then we also realized since we made them all in one shipment, we had to do box content and we like, we made a three box spreadsheet and logged like every book that went in with the SKUs and we made it really complicated. But from then on, um, we just kept getting better at that. And we started going to every library sale over the summer. Um, I would leave school and we would drive wherever in Vermont we could to wherever that Friday night library sale was. And that was always super fun. So we did that and we just kept scaling it until he went to college. And then I opened my own Amazon account and started doing my, my own book business, doing free book pickups and generally learning just different stuff about reselling and just kept going with that. Great. So for those that don't know, what is Amazon FBA? So Amazon FBA means it stands for fulfillment by Amazon. So basically what I do is when I make a shipment of books, um, I send them, I list the books on Amazon and I use Acceler list to list them. 
which is a list, listing software. And then I send them into Amazon where I have my own spot or store in there on their site. And so then when a, I'm considered a third party seller. So when someone buys something from Amazon FBA from my store, Amazon then goes in and ships that item out for me and deals with all the customer service. So I never actually have any inventory on me. It's all at Amazon. So that even if I'm in Germany or something, there's still inventory selling because it's with Amazon and they handle all that. Gotcha. So currently I've seen you, you know, you're shipping off pallets of, of books. Um, yeah. Is it, is it, was it always like that or how did you work your way up um, to that? So I started out by doing thrift stores, library sales and free book pickup in Vermont where I grew up. And so basically what I would do is I would go on Facebook marketplace and front porch forum, which is like a next door app kind of thing, but only in Vermont. And I would post, I'm coming. I, I pick up free books, like any books you got. Um, I'll give them a second chance through online sales and redistribution basically. And so I'd have people hitting me up all the time with free books and I'd go pick those up and I'd scan through those to find all the profitable ones. And then I worked a part-time job at a pizza place alongside with going to high school still. So on Thursdays, I would, I tried to skip school on Fridays every once in a while. So I'd, I'd leave on Thursday and I'd drive down to Massachusetts or New Hampshire. And I would either stay with a friend or sleep in the Walmart parking lot in my car. And I would go to a library sale that night. Then I'd go to one in the morning the next day and I would plan my route so that I could also hit thrift stores on the way home. And then I would have work at four o'clock on Saturday back in Vermont but I would try to knock that out each weekend. And I was pulling in like 200 to 300 books a weekend with like 1200 to three grand in profit, depending on it. And then eventually um, just through my traveling around, I found a bulk supplier where I was able to scan through Gaylords. And by doing that, I was able to scale up what I was sending in a lot more. And that definitely helped me towards getting truckloads a week where we now have a warehouse also that we get about 40,000 40, pounds of books or so across 52 Gaylords every two weeks or so now. Wow, so it grew very quickly. Uh, for those that don't know, what is a Gaylord? So a Gaylord is a unit of measurement for a large box of books. They're generally about 600 to 800 pounds. And I'd say they have anywhere from 600 to 900 books or so in them. And so they're usually just raw donations or raw like unscanned books that are just in there. And then you're scanning through them and finding all the profitable ones. So when you find the profitable ones, how does it work? Amazon doesn't necessarily buy them from you. You're, you're still selling them. Can you just explain that process as well? How you're sending yeah, yeah. them to Amazon? Yeah. So what I basically the process from Gaylord to selling them to the customer. So I use Scout IQ. Well, I used to use Scout IQ. I have a new bulk software that I scan with now, but basically me or my employee will scan a book. And if it's for Amazon, it'll say FBA and then it'll show how much profit I get from that book. And so we scan through all the Gaylords. And once we're finished with that, we move to our listing room where we clean and condition the books. And 
after that, we list them on Exceller list, which basically means scanning the book. It shows up on Exceller list and it tells you how much you profit and you hit add to batch and it prints out a FN SKU label, which is just a, a, a number that Amazon scans to know that it's from your, where, from you, like from your store. And I, I believe it's what they use to find it too when it sells. But then I ship them out on a pallet as a one big shipment and Amazon then receives them and when they get to the warehouse and they go into my store. And so once they get there, it'll say one quantity available. And when they sell, Amazon then goes, they, they take a fee for using FBA, but I mean, they have fees on fulfilling it yourself too. There's always fees with Amazon, but then they ship it out to the customer and then it goes into your balance, the money. So then, when did you know that you needed a warehouse? I mean, it seems yeah, like yeah. you worked no up to that. Um, so when I started out doing Gaylords, I was, I had a place where I could scan the Gaylords and then the, the supplier would take them back and just give me new Gaylords. But because of COVID stuff like that wasn't able to happen anymore. And my business partner now, Josh, he had a warehouse already and when COVID started, I kind of went away from Amazon and stuff and I did Instacart for a while, which was really profitable. But then as I decided to move to Maine to continue to pursue this, um, my business partner now, uh, I reached out to him and he had been getting truckloads from the bulk supplier that I had worked with before too. And we decided to uh, work together and basically split the operation because by having two people it just made doing bulk a lot easier because bulk is a huge cash flow intensive business and you're always needing probably like 10 to 15 grand on hand to pay different things and get truckloads and the ways we monetize the duds or the bad books is also a cash flow like sensitive because you're usually waiting for 30 to 45 days to actually receive the money from places like sell back your book or uh, RMS is another buyback company we use. And so, and along with Amazon, you're always waiting two weeks to a month and a half for your payouts. So that's kind of a cycle. But basically, uh, when I moved to Maine, we, we started working together and decided uh, that warehouse worked really well for us and that we were ready to get full truckloads and so I started working with him and split split everything and now we have two employees that are my friends from Vermont that moved into my apartment when I got settled here and so it's a four-person team right now but we've increased our efficiency a ton. It sounds like you, you've grown it very very fast absolutely um Thank you. where do you see it going in the next year year absolutely. year and a half well, two years i mean right now we're constantly always trying to make efficiency upgrades and figure out what we can save money on and where we can increase the speed of how long how many books we send in and how long it takes for us to go through a truckload and so right now we're just kind of putting all those things together and just continuing to try and get faster at processing faster at listing and just see what what ways we can monetize even more 
Great. What were some of the growing pains that you could kind of uh, share with the audience and uh, let them know what to maybe avoid or uh, do differently? Yeah, so some growing pains. I mean, one, one of the issues I had that has been kind of lag, dragging along for a while now is my repricer, which is a repricer goes into your Amazon inventory and it will change the prices on your listings to keep them competitive with the other sellers. But so the repricer I was using called Reprice It, um, I had had it since I started out. And since I moved into full on bulk at the warehouse in June, I believe is when I started at the warehouse. Um, I've been sending in tons more books every week, um, but it hadn't really seemed like my sales were taking off in relation to that. And so I went into my repricer to try and fix settings and see if something was off. And I realized that I was on the wrong plan and that it was only able to reprice 500 listings at a time or only touch 500 listings. And I'd had over 3000 listings at my store for over a year now. And so basically none of my listings were able to be touched for the last year and get repriced. So they were all just like stale and weren't actually selling through. And so it was definitely something if I was keeping an eye on my business more, I should have noticed, but with moving from Vermont to Maine and getting it settled, living on my own as a 18 year old at the time still, it was just a lot of things moving around. So I wasn't on top of it. Um, so once I changed that the next three days, I upgraded my plan the next three days, I think I had like I sold 600 books in like three days because I messed that up. Wow. And so one of the things that happened because of that is my IPI score, which is what Amazon uses to judge how healthy your business is was under 500. So I got hit with restricted storage, which meant I was always like one shipment away from maxing out my storage at Amazon because my IPI was low from this repricing mistake. But wow. slowly, I've been trying to fix that by increasing my sell through rate and just giving it time because Amazon averages that IPI score. And so even though it went from like a half a percent sell through rate to 1% sell through rate in a week, it take, it's taken almost three months now to get from that half a percent sell through to 0.9% on my actual IPI score because Amazon keeps averaging it over time. Wow. So that was something I kind of had to deal with where I was like, shit, now like if I don't, like I'm about to max out my storage and I don't have a merchant fulfillment, a merchant setup yet. So like I was just always on that point. And now I've actually been selling through so much inventory that it hasn't really been an issue recently, like the last two weeks, but now I'm at a 495 IPI score. So I'm just a few points away from hopefully getting back that unlimited storage. Well, I'm sure you'll be back there in no time. Uh, one yeah. thing I'm curious about, uh, you know, people that are looking into this might look at it as a side hustle, but it sounds like it's, it takes up a lot of your, your time and it's a large time commitment. How much time would you say you put into this business? Um, yeah. So it kind of depends on what time of the business we're talking about. But when I started out, I was saying, I would say I was probably putting like 40 hours a week 
30 to 40 hours a week into it on the side of like high school and my part-time job. And then when I got to Maine and started at the warehouse, I was putting in more like 50 to 60 hours. And now that we have two employees, I've been able to more, I basically only have to oversee things now. We just have to go in and set them up to make sure that they can scan for the day since me and my business partner are the only ones that use the forklift right now. Um, but after we get them set up, it's mostly like we don't really have to do anything. They, they're able to go through the whole process of processing, listing, and shipping out now. And so I've been more around like 30, 30, 35 hours a week, which has been really nice to focus on other options like retail arbitrage and sports cards and shoe reselling and stuff like that. So you're trying to go from doing to delegating, it sounds like. Exactly. And that's always been the hardest part for me because I've always wanted to do everything myself and not really trust anyone else with doing the stuff that I want to do. And so, and especially paying with for stuff since I don't like spending money, but <clears throat> now that I got some employees, it's been a lot easier. Great, man. So now you're moving on to selling other items. I saw that you had recently a, a pretty crazy Xbox haul. Can you go into that? Yeah, that was really crazy. So um, it took about three days and we got a total of 51 Xboxes or maybe 52. I'm not totally sure. But um, so our Walmart, most people assume that I just was a beast at bots, but they were all in-store purchases. Um, because our Walmart got a shipment of 410 Xbox X's. Um, and one of our employees actually went over to check when we noticed it on BrickSeek. And the employee came out and it was like, oh, we just got a shipment of like 410 of them. And so for the next three days, I basically found everyone I knew um, in Maine, along with myself and my employees. And we were going in about three times a day three or four times a day and just continuing to buy more. We would walk in, buy one, go out, maybe come back a few hours later with a different hat and a different sweatshirt or something, and then go and buy another one. And then anyone I knew I was paying $50 finder fee for everyone they were able to check out and bring to me. And so I got to pay out a lot of people money. I probably paid out like probably a thousand bucks or something. And then I also made like four grand. And so it was a little bit of helping everyone and just getting a massive cook. Wow. That is a pretty wild story. So uh, you were paying people to go and get these Xboxes. What, what was the rule at Walmart? You couldn't uh, walk out with it, more it than one? one? It was, yeah, it was limit one per person, but they, they were trying to get rid of them. Like I could tell, like their managers told them to sell everything and they really didn't care. Like a lot of us, went out and literally walked back in and bought another one. That's how little they cared. Mm -hmm. uh, and the crazy part was that I had maybe $600 in my bank account and for this whole thing, but because I have six credit cards and I use credit card churning um, to get bonus points and stuff, I had a limit of probably 50 something thousand dollars. So I was just giving everyone my credit cards to go in, buy it, and then come back out and then I sold them on StockX and locally and I used all that money to pay off the credit card bills and then just take the profit and I used no money of my own just so credit. All just credit cards and uh, 
you you're talking briefly about credit card churn and uh you know that there's a lot of games to be played with uh finding the right credit cards and getting the most like cash back or points or what have you uh what's your experience with using credit cards in your business currently yeah so i use credit cards for everything i never use cash or debit cards um i if it's able to be a credit card purchase it's a credit card purchase um but from the i got into credit card hacking and credit card rewards from the choose Fi podcast which is um about like financial independence and retire early um community and so i started out with well when i turned 18 i had already added myself as an authorized user on my parents cards so by the time i turned 18 i already had a 750 credit score just by <laughs> doing that and so from there i was able to start getting cards and building relationships with um hilton honors and chase so that i every three months or so once i hit the sign up bonus on the card i would go sign up for the next card and just keep hitting those sign up bonuses on these really good cards working my way up to eventually getting the chase sapphire preferred card which has um once you spend four thousand dollars in the first three months of opening it you get eighty thousand bonus points and that's equal to like eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars worth of free travel and so over this year i've gotten now almost 180,000 chase points and 375,000 Hilton honor points in a little over a year, I guess now. And it's probably worth like three to four grand worth of free, like hotels and travel just by spending money that I was going to spend anyway. That is insane. <laughs> um, uh, I love it. That, that's, so that's really cool. So uh, in a nutshell, can you describe your credit card um, process? So are you getting the credit cards, hitting the, uh, the minimum premium to get that, uh, you know, bonus, the points or you know, cash back? And then are you keeping those credit cards? Because I know they have fees yearly. Yeah, usually. so I have six credit cards right now. I have the um, Hilton Honors card, the Hilton Business, and then I have the Hilton Blue Business Plus. And only one of those has an annual fee of $95. The other two don't have an annual fee. And then as far as my Chase cards, the Chase Freedom and the Freedom Unlimited, I'm pretty sure don't have annual fees either. And just the Chase Sapphire card has a $95 annual fee. So um, once I, so the way I went about it is I got the Hilton card first, the basic one, which was a thousand dollars spend to get 80,000 bonus points for Hilton. And so once I knocked that out, I went to the next card and then hit that bonus on the Hilton business. And then I opened a Chase bank account because Chase is harder to get credit cards approved because they're really strict and they want you to have a relationship with them before they'll let you get approved. And so I opened a bank account with them, which you get $200 for free just by opening a bank account with them and setting up direct deposit. So that was easy money. And then from there, I waited a month for them to know me as a customer. And then I applied for the freedom card. But basically my process is, if it's a really nice card, like the Chase Sapphire, that becomes my everyday card because it's like crazy points on spending. 
And then also the Freedom Unlimited is like 5% cash back on most things, which is really good. Um, so, and the, so the Amex cards, the Hilton cards, they don't do a ton after you hit the sign up bonus. So I kind of just leave those in my wallet, but I still have them open since they don't really cost me much. Um, but then the everyday use cards, I'll continue to use those until I find the next credit card that I want to hit that sign up bonus on. Wow. That's, that's awesome, man. That's uh, that's great advice. Um, you know, I really haven't gotten much into the credit card hacking, but, uh, it's definitely something I'm, I'm looking into doing because, uh, you know, my, my current credit cards, uh, I use mostly for travel, uh, and they are, you know, either the Southwest and the, and the AA cards and stuff like that. But this year I, I just stacked the points cause there was really not much travel to be had. Uh, yeah, exactly. so, um, I have some points now, but I can't really do anything yet until COVID's over. Right. And I'm sure you have the Hilton cards, you know, you're just waiting for a big vacation or something like that. But, uh, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's really cool, man. Um, so any, uh, any final thoughts, any, anything, uh, that you could leave potential flippers with as far as advice? Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things that I'd advise the most right now is for like people that want to get started, like joining a cook group, um, like like team flip flip or the Reezy ninjas which are like discord server communities of resellers um they're really good for helping you get started with reselling because it's a whole community of resellers that are there and experienced to help you get started on amazon ebay finding shoe flips finding sports card investments to purchase and they're usually 50 to 65 dollars a month but the leads and the amount of info that you get in those groups is just insane like from flip flip i've probably made at least ten thousand dollars profit this year just off of random uh flips and just leads that we get from those groups like the x like the xboxes and the playstations uh we had early links and add to cart links that really help when they sell out in like two seconds and there's just so much knowledge and info in those groups to help get uh young flippers and new flippers started and then the other thing is just like being open to trying new things like i've done some shoe reselling when the opportunity occurred i've done tons of garage sale stuff and i think a lot of it is just finding what works for you like there's so many different opportunities to make full-time income nowadays and it's just trying everything and then finding the one that you really like doing and then just being open to scaling it and just finding more options with it damn benjamin this is a this has been great i mean uh, just that last tip right right there would uh help any potential flipper and uh, i know for sure that i'm going to be looking into it uh one final question uh that i get asked a lot uh, what is the one flip that kind of sticks out as like either your most profitable or the one that kind of brings you the most joy looking mm. back? I'd have to think of, I know what my first flip was. I can remember that one. So my first flip was at Goodwill. I went in, it was a Lego, uh, storage container. Like it was, it looked like a giant mini figurehead and it was $2.00. And I like scanned it with the eBay app to see the sold listings. And I saw it sold for like $40 the day before. So I was like, hey, this, 
this seems right, like based off the research. And so I went home, I listed it and it sold for like $39.99 the next day. And I was like, wow, that actually works. Like the eBay sold listings actually reflect like what it sells for. And I was like, this is awesome. Now I can get started with this. Uh, but my favorite flip was definitely my Luka Doncic PSA 10 rookie cards. Um, so I bought four of them or I bought three of them for $600 a piece um, in about June, I believe. And then during the peak of the NBA bubble during the playoffs, after Luca hit that shot, they went up to $2,000 a card. And I ended up selling them for $1,500 a card, but I made like $800 profit a piece. And that was just a crazy flip. And then my last flip coming up is I have six Prism retail boxes that I bought for $700 a piece. And the market on those is $1,200 a piece right now. And I'm going to wait till they're about $1,500, which I think with the NBA starting should be in probably a week or two. And then I'll take my like three or four grand profit on those, which will be really <laughs> exciting. Wow, Benjamin, some really inspiring stuff, man. Um, so, you know, I, after this interview, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to diversify what I'm doing because clearly I'm not doing enough. <laughs> but uh, it, it was, There's just so many options out there. There, there really is, man. But uh, thanks again. And uh, one more time, uh, where can the audience find your content? Yeah, at BenBooks34 on Instagram. And then I also have a YouTube, which is just Benjamin Herskowitz. But on Instagram, any questions you ever have, just DM me and I, I love responding and helping people out. All right, thanks so much, Benjamin. Of course, glad to be on. All right, later, man.